Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. This is Danielle Town. And welcome to Invested, our podcast about uh, Rule One Investing and um, mindful investing. Mindful investing and being invested in your life. Yeah, mindful investing. Yeah, which is being aware of what's happening to you and your money and your future and your plans and your choices based on money and your choices not based on money. Cool. All sorts of things. Well, I've been investing following Warren Buffett's strategy for about 30 years and run a hedge fund. And Danielle is a lawyer um, out of uh, NYU, Oxford, Wellesley. Yeah, and you started introducing super, me now. Super, super, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let everybody know who you are. Super smart and does not invest at all. And so I would think this podcast is for people who are skeptical about investing. Yeah, it's for people who are skeptical and kind of dumb about it. I mean, I'm dumb about it. Like, I will ask you all the questions because I don't get it, and um, it doesn't come easily to me. So. Well, let, let's let's jump in with where most people are in terms right. of investing. So, yeah, so I was thinking, you know, what what are we doing right now? Like, what am, I know what I'm doing right now, which is nothing. And I think a lot of people are doing nothing who are like me. And then... There are people who, you know, are trying to figure out something to do and they are maybe putting their money with an investment advisor. Maybe they're buying um, a fund. Maybe they're buying an index fund. Maybe they're doing exchange traded, exchange traded funds. That's mm -hmm. a thing, right? Yep. Um, I keep hearing about these robo advisors. Yep. I have a couple friends who are really interested in those. Yep. Um, you could buy like an apartment and rent it out, do real estate. Yes. Uh, what else could you do? You could buy gold. You could buy gold? Yep. That's a thing? Yep. Okay. You could buy gold. You could buy a gold fund, which is an exchange traded fund. You could buy a commodity fund. All right. International stock fund. I don't know what any of those are, except you could, for the gold. You could buy bonds. Okay. Yep. Um, you can buy indexed universal life insurance. Good Lord. Oh, yeah. That's a sophisticated way of, of uh, actually investing. And you could buy indexed annuities. You see those advertised on TV all the time. I don't, I don't know what that is. Well, it's, a, it's basically a cash flow that you put up a pile of money up front and don't touch it for 10 years. And 11 years later, they start paying you for the rest of your life a guaranteed amount of money. It's like building your own defined benefit plan hmm. where you get a guaranteed amount, assuming the insurance company sticks around. Okay. But you give them the money up front. Okay. And there are really good investors who just hate certain ones of these things. And you'll find somebody on either side of any one of them well, telling you right? it's terrible. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's all so confusing because there's always somebody telling you it's terrible. And then it's like the angel and the devil on your shoulders. And it's like somebody's saying it's great. And then somebody's on the other side saying it's the worst thing you could ever do. And you're about to go bankrupt. Well, let's start with um, what the best investor in the world says you should do if you are not going to learn to be an investor. That would be a good okay. spot, right? Sure. So what's, what's Warren Buffett going to do with his money when he dies if he's not going to let it somebody else manage it and the answer is he has instructions in his will that he's publicly told everybody to have the money put into a stock market index fund okay so the whole enchilada goes in there and that means that no one is going to manage it actively and the fees are very very low they probably are 
Um, you can probably get a Vanguard index fund for 0.1% per year. And an index, I should say what that is. Well, I think we should get to those. Okay. I, I do want to talk about those. But first, I think most people are doing nothing. Most people are doing nothing. And I think that that seems like a good decision in my life right now. <laughs> because... <laughs> I should, you know what? That's not, that's not exactly the case. Most people are trying to buy a house or buying a you house. You know what? That's a really good point. That is true. That is true. Basically everybody, so I'm mid-30s, basically everybody I know has either bought a house in the last few years or is about to buy a house. Yeah, and when you go through the statistics on what people have available to them for retirement, the statistics are kind of astonishing. The average, and of course these are average, right, and there's a huge range here, but the average person who's 65 years old or over and is going to retire has, um, I guess as of last year, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, $170,000 of net worth um, plus Social Security. So does that include a house? And that is the net worth of their house included in that. Okay. All right. And when you take the house out, they have about $27,000. Okay. So the house is Can you break that down for me? Sure. So essentially what it is is that you take the house and you value it. So let's say $300,000. And then you subtract... And let's say, and then you add in everything else that isn't the house net worth, and it comes to twenty-seven thousand. Um, and so you've got this asset of three hundred and twenty-seven thousand. Three hundred thousand is the house. Twenty-seven thousand is cash or bonds or whatever you've got. But I didn't hand over three hundred thousand dollars for that house, right? I right. got a mortgage. You've got a mortgage on it. And the mortgage is 100 and I'm trying to get my numbers right. Let's say that the mortgage is 150,000. Okay, that's a, that's a lot down, but okay. okay. So well, of course, these people are 65, so they've been in the house for a long time. So they've built up some some equity. Wait, why are we talking about people who are 65? Because I picked that one. Oh, okay, to talk about. Okay. So um, people are 65 or over. Actually, people who are 65 to 69 years old have almost $200,000 of net worth. And of that amount... Because they've been paying off their house? Well, yeah, they've been paying off their house. But we wouldn't know that just based on $200,000 until we understood how much net worth they'd have if you exclude the house, which is about $40,000. So in other words, people have $200,000 net worth, including their house. Then you take the house out of the picture and they've got 40, which means the house is $160,000 of their net worth or about 80% of the net worth of people who are 65 years old. Okay. 80%, in other words, 80% of their retirement is in their house. Sure. Okay. okay. Yeah. So they got to sell the house to get that out of there or live in it and have 80% of the retirement going to pay rent, essentially, right? Okay. Because all you've got left to live on is the $40,000. If you're sitting in your house... You know, or you could borrow against it. I guess you could get a reverse mortgage and start paying yourself out that. So you, there's a number of things you could do, I guess, with that. But the key thing is that most people are saving, but they're saving by buying a house. That's what people are trying oh, to do. Oh, I was not following you at all. Okay, so you're saying people save by buying a house. Yeah. I was saying people are buying a house and then saving in addition to 
the house purchase. Well, the, like it, you save up for your down payment and then you buy the house and you pay the down payment. Mm-hmm. And then you start saving for this investing thing. Okay, or but we can like see that whatever that, you're supposed to be. We can doing. see it doesn't work very well because the average person has two hundred thousand dollars, but a hundred and sixty of it is the house, and because they didn't keep saving, they didn't keep saving. They ran into things like we have to pay for the house. <laughs> <laughs> we have to pay that thing every month, right? And a little piece of it is equity, and the rest of it is all interest. So we got to pay that. And I mean, then we I got to pay say, food. I'm not really following why we're talking about these people because I. Because they're I, what most people do. This I know, is a strategy most people have. They're not going to be investing rule one style either because they don't have any money to invest rule one style. They don't have any money to put in gold. They don't have any money to put in ETFs. They don't have any money to put in real estate. Like all the things you just said, they don't have any money to do any of that. So these are the non average. The non average people would be the people who have the money to do the rest of this stuff. Yeah, good point. So let's all be above average, <laughs> like the Lake Wobegon kids. Yeah. Um, I I don't know how we do any. I mean, we have to save on top of buying a house, right? Well, you know, when you look at this, you kind of got to wonder what's going to happen to the baby boomers who bought all these houses, and now they've got to sell them as they go into retirement, or they've got to reverse mortgage them. But either way, whether you sell it or you get a reverse mortgage, the market should be coming down on those houses. There should be a lot of them on sale, a lot of McMansions out there with four bedrooms and three floors. And these retired people are going to want to move out of those into a single floor, easily cared for townhome slash condo, someplace where it's sunny. And they're all by the millions going to be doing that and exiting out of Michigan snow and their four bedroom house. And who's gonna buy the thing, right? Because the next generation that has as many people as the baby boomers is Elena's generation, whatever we're calling those guys. Meaning younger than me. I mean, just right there, you're in it, probably. And you guys formed this other huge wave of people. It's the millennials. The millennials, but you know, last time I checked, the millennials are still too young to be buying four bedroom houses in nice, not to mention that nobody really wants to. People are moving away from the suburbs. Like like everybody in your generation really wanted to move to the suburbs and have a four-bedroom house and commute to work every day and have all this space and live next to each other. And people I know all want to live in the city and walk to work and not have a 20-minute drive or a 30-minute drive and have a little less space because of that. Oh, you're, you're throwing out a scary idea for the real estate agents out there in suburbia because they're going to oh, have a lot of people selling and I not a lot of people buying. That's an idea that's out there, yeah. Wow. You know who soaked up all the real estate that went on sale in 2009, 2010? No. Hedge funds. They went out and formed these huge hundred, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars in hedge funds and started snapping up those houses everywhere at super cheap prices. And now they're renting them in anticipation of putting them back on the market. So um, the point I think I'm trying to make is that the way most people think about investing is to start with the house. That's the most important thing. And uh, because that's the neighborhood you live in, the schools your kids go to, all of those things are around the house. And you and people have learned that they don't want to be paying rent because rent just keeps going up, up, up. Whereas a mortgage stays the same number one. And number two, you can deduct this mortgage 
from as you make more and more money, the mortgage deduction is really helpful. So your after-tax cost of the house is often less than what it costs to rent a similar house. And over a 20, 30 year, 30 year period of time with inflation at two or 3%, that's gonna be, your rent will double and your mortgage payment stays the same and it's deductible. So there's really good reasons why the way we do our tax law um, and the way people wanna live drives the vast majority of your retirement into your house. So that's- This that's, is like very weird to me that we're discussing how your retirement is in your house. That has never entered my mind that my retirement would be in my house. I mean, I move too often. You know, like I'm not gonna have the same mortgage for 30 years unless I keep the house and rent it out. And then, okay, fine, then that feels like an investment. But I have to live somewhere. So I'm spending that money no matter what. Hopefully I can do it by buying a house instead of paying rent, if that makes financial sense in the area. But like, why am I considering my primary residence as an investment that's gonna provide my retirement? Like you kind of hope that that's gonna happen, but on the other hand, you have to live somewhere until you die. So where am I gonna go live if I sell this house that is my retirement? Yeah, well, you you, you have to sell the house because you're living in, 80% of your retirement is the house. That's my point. So I, you have to sell I'm it or you- I'm mystified by this idea you're putting out there that that's my retirement fund. Well, I think a lot of people are gonna be looking at reverse mortgages. I think you know banks and mortgage companies are gonna be picking up an awful lot of houses going down the road. So, and I think the more that that happens, the less money they're gonna give you for it because they're right. worried about having to sell it down the road. Right. So I would say really the lesson I think that I would like you guys to learn from this a little bit is that putting your retirement into your house and depending on that the way people have in the past is is not as secure as it might look. And the, the recent drop that we had in real estate where real estate went down like 20, 30%, I mean, that can happen again. If mortgage of rates course. go up high, if in you know if that happens, then we may end up with with houses coming down. So you you really don't want to be dependent on this one asset and the appreciation of this one asset to be essentially what you've got to retire on. That's a scary no. position. And you, right now, this year, I'm blown away that there are people who think that. There's it's just they, it's not that they think that so much as you are driven into it by necessity. You, you're only making so much money. Well, of course, of course, yes. Right, and so you. you but people, the idea that you're thinking of this place that you live in as a retirement fund—it's just like, like, okay, fine, like maybe where you live is gonna really go up. A oh lot. man, my my generation just went for it and said, "Look, we're gonna go for the biggest, nicest, best house we can," and we kept trading up. And that's why you're seeing people at 65 to 69 years old, my generation, where the vast majority of what they have in the world is in their house. And that's because that it was thought to be an, an asset that you can use and benefit from that wouldn't ever go down. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. That's what people thought. Yeah, people actually thought Real it always goes up. Real estate will always go up. Yep. Even though it has many even times it, gone down. Even though it has many times gone down. This, yep. is, this is such a generational thing because like having lived through the Great Recession, I don't ever think of real estate as being something that's reliable. Like I will never think of it like that and neither will anybody else that's my age. I ever. think that's very wise that you not and that I think you should have some better idea about 
where to put money. And since there's a limited amount of money per month, like let's just stipulate that you're not gonna change the amount of income you've got, you're gonna do the best you can about that, and that people have done that for the last 30 years and ended up with 80% of their retirement in their house because that's all they could put money into. That's the only sort of enforced savings program they had. And they spent the rest of it on schools for their kids or whatever, they, you know, vacations. Right, like I don't having know. having the life you want. Having the life you want while or you're even, alive. Or even, I mean, even that is like saying a little too much. It's probably more like having barely eking out the life that is decent. For, for a lot of people. And, and then you have an awful lot of people in my generation just spend it. Hmm. They, just, they just lived not only the life you want, but the life you aspired to. And they just went for it and say, hey, we're, we're not even here tomorrow maybe. So let's, you know, and in conjunction with the cost of colleges going up at about yeah. three times I mean, the cost of huge. living is yeah. just stunning. That's true. What happens to middle class families with trying to get their kids through a school. So let's empathize that they're, they didn't really have a lot of choice if you're going to live a certain lifestyle. I mean, and that's where you got to really look at that hard and say, do I really need to live in this McMansion? Or should I do what you're talking about your generation doing is just get a smaller place with a lot of amenities around it in, in some urban center? Yeah. Um, or get a get a small townhome or, or a condo in a university area or you know, make a different decision about thumping everything you're earning into your mortgage payment. Yeah. Right? I mean, so that would be the, the first thing is to like try to diversify off of that home by keeping the size of the home mortgage down. Yeah. And, and don't keep trading up. It's just so interesting to me, like the difference in... Um in thought process around this stuff. Because like when I bought my house a couple of years ago, you kept saying to me, I was like, I was really nervous about it. And you kept saying to me, it's an enforced savings plan. You should definitely do it because you'll be forced to save money. And I was like, I don't care about that at all. This is a certain amount of money that's going out of my paycheck every month. And I have to know if I can afford that. And it doesn't matter that in maybe like, you know, X amount of years when I sell it, some of that will come back to me. It's still like money out the door. That's how I think about it is money out the door. Okay, it goes to some mysterious bank account somewhere. <laughs> like, and maybe I'll get a little bit of it back. But but it just doesn't like it doesn't feel like a savings plan to me at all to own a house. Well, I think you're and getting... I don't know why it's different for me than it is for somebody else who Clearly, there are lots of people who think of it exclusively as a savings plan. Or they think exactly like you do and not think of it as a savings plan and wake up one day at 65 years old and so and go, whoa, thank God I had a house. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know what the, you know, what level of awareness people have about this as, you know, their plan. Yeah. I'm going to probably say that most people don't have a plan at all. And they just wake up one day and wow. Everything we own for our retirement is sitting right here in this house. And we either do a reverse mortgage and live on that or we, we sell this place and move out. And people are doing both of those strategies, moving, you know, downsizing, um, you know, like. Um, well, and fair enough, because when the kids leave, then you don't need as big of a house. Yeah. So why not? Yeah. So you move and, and you downsize. So there's your kind of enforced savings plan. Now, what's shocking is that a person with $200,000 has 80% of it in that house that they didn't accumulate more than, what is the average, like $43,000. The average what? Accumulated savings apart from your house. Oh, okay. Which is stunning. By when? By, By 65 age? years old. 
43,000 by 65 years old. By 65 years old. That's not going to go very house. far. No. So let's say that what you do is, I, I just want to give you guys some numbers here that are, I think, mind-boggling about what that means. Okay. I mean, what let's it means. some numbers. All right. So let's say that you, um, let's say that, well, here's an article that I just read about uh, that says that the median value of accounts for people that have uh, savings in, in stocks and mutual funds and retirement accounts is about 61,000 bucks. Okay, and this article goes on to say that if you're 40 years old, 35 years old, um, and you can invest another $200 a month, that's 6% annualized return, then you would have 61,000 would become $400,000 at age 65. And if you could do $500 a month, it would become $600,000 at age 65 and they're saying that would go a long way to maintaining your net worth as you live out your golden years and i wanted to kind of take a look at that to see if that made sense to me so right? you mean those numbers see if those numbers make sense yeah see if that would really go a long way toward maintaining your net worth as you're living out your golden years would would six hundred thousand dollars do it 25 years from now let's take a look right i don't know but what strikes me about that Go ahead. Let's take a look. Sure. All right. Let's take a look. So the first question is, what what's your lifestyle that you want to live on? And and let's say that you want to live on seventy seventy five thousand dollars a year. Okay. Okay. Pre tax. Okay. Actually, no. Post tax. Let's just, just make it even post tax. We're not even going to pay taxes. Donald Trump's going to get elected, and only twenty five percent of the people are going to pay taxes. So. You've got twenty three thousand. Stay away from that one. You got twenty three thousand dollars a year coming in. Let's say from Social Security. So you got to make it up with fifty thousand dollars coming out of your whatever you've got stacked up. And if you're if you're thirty five to forty years old, you've got sixty one thousand dollars stacked up. Let's say that you can invest. That's what this article says you've got. All right. Okay. And let's further stipulate you can make. $500 a month and put it away. Or you save $500 a month, so you're saving $6,000 a year. Wait, now am I 65 years old? Nope, you're 35 years old. Okay. You got 25, would be 40 years old. You got 25 years to invest. You're 40 years old. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I'm 40 years old. Mm -hmm. I have, what is it? 61000 61000 and I'm putting away $600? Six, $6,000 a year, $500 a month. $500 a month. Tax, pre-tax. Okay. Okay, so it's well, in fact, let's just say it's post tax. You're never going to pay taxes on it. I'm going to pretend like taxes don't exist. Yep, okay. right. it's going into a Roth IRA or something. So sixty-one thousand bucks is what you've got now, and you're making six thousand dollars a year go into that account, and you're going to invest in some combination of index fund, exchange traded fund, mutual fund, robo advisor driven funds, whatever, and you're going to make six percent a year. Okay, that's pretty good. Which would be I'm, good. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Like I, I know a lot of guys right now who think you're not going to make 6% a year. Well, yeah. I mean, last time we talked about how T-bills are at 2%. So T-bills are at 2 6% sounds pretty they good. They very, very easily could end up dropping that to 1% um, in a tough market. And the stock market goes nowhere. And so your 6% a year turns into a fantasy. And you're actually making 2 or 3% a year for the next 10 or 20 years. So that's entirely possible. But let's just say you're making six. Okay. Okay. All right. Here's what happens. You're going to have, as they said in the article, you're going to have about $600,000 at retirement. And then you're going to be spending 
your Social Security plus this $50,000 a year. I'm right. gonna, okay, so I'm going to have six in, when I'm 65. Right. Because I put $500 away every month. Right. And I got 6%. Right. I then come up with $600,000. Right. At 65. Right. And then I quit my job. Right. And I retire. Yes. And I'm somehow going to live for the rest of my life on $600,000? Somehow. Plus Social Security. That doesn't seem like enough. Okay, well, let's see what it does. Okay. All right, so... Wait, am I still getting 6% on my 600000 or do I stop getting 6%? You now get 5%. Okay. <laughs> we'll drop it a little bit because you're more in bonds. Okay. So we hope that there's something in bonds. Okay. All right. So now, and this is pretty standard for uh, investment advisors to be looking at these kinds of numbers. Okay. All right, now here's the catch, though. You remember that $50,000 a year that you... Nope. Well, the 50000 a year is what you're going to have to supplement out of your retirement savings in order to live a $70,000 lifestyle. Because you've got 20-some thousand paid for by Social Security. You've got to come up with the other fifty. Oh, got it. Okay. Okay. So now you're coming up with the other fifty, and except that it's not fifty anymore. It's now, 25 years from now, about 120000 to live a lifestyle that would cost you $50,000 today. Because of inflation? Because of inflation. Running at a standard rate of 3.6%. Are you kidding? I have like no words for this. What is happening? This is Are you serious totally right now? Totally serious. Say that again? So How much money? Standard rate of inflation for the last bazillion years is 3.6% inflation rate. Right okay. now we're running a lot less than that, but you can count on it coming back because it's how governments handle their money. Okay. And when we average 3.6, what it does is destroy the buying power of your 50,000. So you need to keep adding more money to it in order to buy the same number of things. Like a car 25 years ago, you know, what in 1985, what did a car cost? I don't know. You know, not much compared much, to today. How much did you know, it cost? I don't know, 10,000 or something. <laughs> now cars are 25, 30, right? So. I mean, when I was a kid, this is a long time ago, a Ford, a new Ford was two or $3,000, brand new. You know, today, better cars, but still, you know, you're talking 20. So inflation's gonna eat up a lot right. of that. And so you gotta so keep like the when money. you put away that $4,000 back in the day that would have bought you a car, and then you look up 40 years later, that four thousand dollars doesn't buy you now. A it's car now it's become thirty thousand dollars, and it'll still buy you a car. Yeah, and you've managed to go nowhere. So, so inflation is very important to consider here. So you've got effectively you've got to pay out out of your six hundred thousand. You got to pay out over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Wait, what was the number that you said before about how much you need to equal fifty thousand? One hundred twenty-one thousand and fifty dollars. That's insane. I know. It really gets up there in 25 years. How are any of us supposed to do That makes no... Ah, I have no words for this. And this is why it's so... It makes so... me very upset. I feel like banging my hands on the desk and I'm not supposed to do that. Yeah, don't bang on your hands on the desk. Ah, what do you mean? And now think about how terrible... I feel terrible really whiny it... about this. Like, can think... you just... Can, can we just... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely whining, and I can make it worse. Now you put your money in a T-bill today, and you're locking it up at 2%. Three years from now, inflation has come back, and you're getting 2%. 
but every year inflation is 3%, which means you're losing money every single year. 10 years later. What? Yes, 10 years later. <laughs> okay, but that's technically not true, right? Because inflation right now is lower than 3 In other words, today inflation is at 2%. Your 10-year T-bill gives you 2%, yeah. which means you're so making matching. nothing. So it's, it, But it's like, if I don't do that, well, I'm, you're going making, backwards. I'm going backwards. You're going backwards. I'm losing money actively. And, and as inflation, inflation is a terrible thing. And the Federal Reserve is trying to bring it back because deflation creates a loss of jobs. Deflation, in deflation, we lose jobs and people get afraid and they lose their spending power because people aren't spending but in inflation, you eat up people who are in retirement. You just eat them up. They're on a fixed income. They're on a universal indexed annuity or a universal indexed life. And they've got a steady amount of money coming in every month uh, from Social Security. And ideally, Social Security is indexed to inflation, but the government is screwed with that too. Like they keep changing what they call inflation. Uh, and so that they don't have to increase. Right right uh -huh. now, one one website indicated that if we had the same inflation uh, parameters as we had when Jimmy Carter was president back in the 1970s, that Social Security would be paying out double per person than it's paying out right now. What? So they've managed to kind of monetize some of the problem God. of Social Security. That should not surprise me, but it does. Yeah, and exactly. They're going to continue doing that because totally. we simply can't meet our obligations. So they're going to- nobody wants to admit to it. Right. So they're going to monetize it with inflation. And so the more inflation they can bring in, the less money they have to pay out in Social Security if they can control what they call inflation. So right now, for example, we're supposed to have under 2% inflation in spite of the fact that, you know, food prices continue to go up, right? Gas prices are certainly up from where they were 10, 15 years ago. So we experience, but those, by the way, food prices and gas prices are not included in the government inflation index. Right, they're only the things that you have to buy. They're only in the things you have to buy. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> they play the game with this, but we're not playing okay, a game here. Okay, but whatever. Here. Social Security, basically, like, nobody counts on Social Security, right? Once right. the baby boomers are gone, you're all going to eat up all of our Social Security, and we are expecting none of it. Right. The point is... But I'm even giving you Social Security here, and you, yeah, you're you not going to get it. You did. And here's the scary part. You ready? Well, you'll get it. Yeah. We'll get it, but you won't. Right. We're talking about the person who's 25 years from now. And this amount of money that they've got, which is the, what the average person has right now, that amount of money in retirement, assuming what we're assuming on rates of return, will last five years. You, and they'll be out enough, of money. You have, you have enough money to spend $73,000 for A year five years? in current dollars. It'll make it five years, and then you're down to $23,000 in a lifestyle that was costing you 121000 So you get to chop your lifestyle dramatically. Wait, I'm confused. Am I living the life that in the future costs $125,000? Or am I living the life that well, in you the are. future costs $73,000? It, it is $73,000 in what's called current dollars, but in in dollars 25 years from now, it'll be 121,000. So I am living, You're living the same the lifestyle. Okay, okay. So it's the same lifestyle. You're living a $73,000 lifestyle. lifestyle 25 years from now. Okay, got it. And it'll last you five years in that lifestyle. And then okay. you're done. You've eaten up all the money from your house, Okay. all the money you've saved, and you're down to Social Security. 
And that's why even today, before we've really gotten into this huge problem, something like 30 or 40% of the people who are on Social Security today, it keeps them from being out of poverty, in poverty. So, Which is why they created it. Which is why they created it. But you can see where this is going to be for you. This is going to be a disaster. So the, the, the really sort of interesting thing to me is that if you took, um, let's say, that 195000 that $200,000, right? And you retired today on it, not 25 years from now. Okay. You re- Sorry, excuse me. I just jumped over. Remember we were back there talking about how much money the average person at 65 has? Almost 200000 Yeah. You take that today. And you either Wait, do, am I 65? I'm yeah, so now you're 65. Oh, I'm 65 today. Mm-hmm. And I have how much? 194000 Saved. And it's in or, your house right, and okay. saved, okay. right? And now you reverse mortgage it or you sell the house. Okay. So you now have this amount of money available. And it's invested at 5%, okay? Okay. At about 5%. How long, how many... How much money can you spend every year in order to live to be 95 years old? Right? Oh God, so if, not much. And the, and the answer <laughs> is... something thousand dollars You can spend Social Security plus $8,000 a year. Yeah, that seems about right. So you're going to live a lifestyle that's $31,000 a year. In other words, you are going to pay for a place to live, health insurance, or rather health care... Um, food, anything you want to do with the kids, any recreation, any entertainment, all of that is going to be about $2,600 a month. That's what you're going to have. Yeah, that's... And that's the average person. very low. That's the average person today. That's not the guy at the bottom of the barrel. Right. No, not at all. If you've saved almost $200,000, yeah. you've done pretty well. Yeah. So this should be pretty scary, you know? I mean, I'm freaking out right now. <laughs> this is like, what? So basically, inflation is going to take away my money. That's what you're saying. It is if you're so investing. So even though I'm trying to be good and I'm trying to save and I'm staying out of the stock market because I think it's way too risky and it goes down all the time and I don't understand the rest of all of the other things that you said, so I'm just not going to do them. I'm just saving and I'm putting my money under my mattress, which is the safest thing I can think of. I'm actively losing money by doing that. Yeah. Because it seems like so safe to me. Yeah. I'm sorry to say that, but if you actually did that, if you actually did that. No, that is actually what I'm doing without the mattress part. Oh my gosh. Do you realize you'd be able to live that $73,000 lifestyle 25 years from now? You would live that for two years. And then you would be on Social Security for the rest of your life broke. I don't know what you're talking. What do you mean? How much money do I have when I started? You started right now today with $61,000 and you saved $500 a month, but you don't invest at all. You don't get 6%. Oh, you don't invest. You just put it in T-bills and you get 2% or 3% or whatever they are, right? I'll give you you an average 10-year T-bill at 3.6%, all right? And... Let's see how long you can live on that. And it, you make it three years in retirement. At 73000 a year, you're not living on 73000 a year right now. Your, your lifestyle is chewing up a much, much bigger income than that. I feel like I need to go 
like go to a kickboxing class right now <laughs> or like do some serious downward dog breathing because I'm really mad about this. And by the way, oh, I'm sorry, I have to bang my hand on the desk. How have I known you for this long of my entire life? And you have never explained this to me before. This is Literally, just like- you have never explained this to me this before. This is just like you blaming me because you can't change a tire. Well, I you also blame you for that learn and feel how to very change justified, but it is not fun to learn. You oh. refused to learn that, and you refuse to learn this, and you have not been interested because you've been sticking your head in the sand. And just like everybody else who's your age, you just don't think about it. You just don't realize what it's going to take in order to have a good lifestyle when you're retired. It takes a lot. Um, but I got some good news for you. Okay, great. Okay, so you just I come down wait. off the ledge. I can't wait for the good news. I just want to bring you down off the ledge, okay? So here's the good news. If you had 61000 which you do, if you had $61,000 and you could save $500 a month. I could probably do that. But you know how to invest and you can make 15% a year, not six. All right? Everything else stays the same. Everything else is the same. Inflation rates the same. Everything else is the same. You are going to be able to live a lifestyle of $185,000 a year for the rest of your life after you retire. In other words, you need to spend like $162,000 a year in current dollars plus $23,000 in Social Security every year to burn that off by the time you're 95 years old. Okay, so I have the same lifestyle. Same? Okay. No, you, no? your lifestyle went from a $73,000 lifestyle to a $185,000 a year lifestyle. What? And you never ran out of money. Why am I spending so much? Where did I get all of this money that I'm you spending made, magically? It's the power of compounded rates of return. Oh, because of the 15% Because of the 15% instead of 6%. Instead of 6%. It makes that much of a difference. It makes that much of a difference. And this is what people don't realize. They think, oh, 6, 15, whatever. It's the difference between being broke after three years in retirement and living 30 years in retirement really well. Okay, so I'm hearing... I think two factors. One is compounding yeah. your interest, which maybe you should explain more. The other one is saving a lot of money every month so that you have something to invest and then get that interest rate that you then compound. Yes? Right, right. Now, here's something really important. The reason I'm using $6,000 and the reason they use that in the article is because you can save $6,000 a year in a retirement account pre-tax. In other words, if you're making pretty decent money, you're gonna pay taxes on that 6,000. Let's say you're paying 25% taxes. So if you put that away before you pay the taxes on it, you're immediately ahead 1,500 to maybe $2,000 of what you would have had if you paid tax. Okay. So this is an incentive that they provide you to put money away. And and so we don't really care about that incentive much if we don't know the power of compounding and if we don't know how to invest, if we're making a very low rate of return, it's just doesn't make a lot of difference. As you can see, you might as well spend the 6,000 and enjoy your life because what the hell, you're gonna be broken three years after you retire anyway. 
at six yeah. percent a year. So okay, why so bother? that's that's good. That's nice. Yay, pre-tax. Okay, so now you're going to put the money away because you're making fifteen percent on it because you know how to do this kind of investing, and now you have a a, a fortune when you retire. You'd have three point three million dollars when you retire. And you'd be able to live on that very comfortably, making fifteen percent a year. You'd be and and you know if you do dividends properly, we talked about that last time. You do dividends properly. Dividends could easily be throwing off a portfolio of fifteen percent a year in cash flow. Okay, so the rule one investing style, it sounds good. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still want to hear about all these other methods that okay. everybody is using. Okay. And I would like to state again that. Holy mother of God, <laughs> apparently I'm losing money like minute by minute thanks to inflation. Yeah. And when you're investing, when you're, that, when you're like, putting money under the mattress. Why is that taught in like ninth grade math and then again in 10th grade math and then again in 11th grade math and then again in 12th grade math? And then I did I, not take economics in college. I actually have So a, I, maybe I have they do theory. teach it in economics in college no, and I don't know about they it. They don't. They don't. They I have a theory. Do. I have a theory. And that is that the school system, the public school system, was created to provide workers for an industrial age. And when at the conclusion of your 40 years of working for this company, you would receive a defined benefit plan. You would receive a specific amount of money for the rest of your life based on the, uh, the deal the company made when you started employment there. And the world has changed so dramatically from that time now that those things are just fantasies anymore for most people. Unless, of course, you go to work for the government, which is why so many people do. Hmm. They go to work for the government and have this guaranteed income for the rest of your life. But assuming you're not, you don't want to spend you know, 40 years of your working career working for the government, then you really have to take control because that former lifestyle is no longer exists. And the problem is the education that we get all the way through high school is relative to that world that's gone. That I think it is. Oh God, yeah. I just didn't. Well, let's dive into this more next I time. Feel I feel very whiny and upset, and <laughs> like I'm trying to like notice the tension in my body and do my yoga breathing about it because <laughs> I don't know what should I go eat some chocolate. I think I'm going to go eat some chocolate. Well, the, the best part of this is there's an answer to Dad, this, which is that the whole thing we're doing. You never told here. me about this. Yes, I did, and I also told you how to change a tire. Okay, so we're going on, and we will see all you guys next time, and we'll talk about more of your options to put money in places. Dear God, let there be some options. Okay, well, let's find out next time. Okay. Until then, time to go play. Bye. Bye. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to Invested, the rule number one podcast. If you like us, please subscribe, please, and leave a review for us on iTunes. Uh, by the way, you can get our notes and links for this podcast and post comments about this show and uh, also get more information about how to invest on your own by going to investedpodcast.com. Um, by the way, everything, this is important, everything discussed on this show is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion, and it isn't to be taken as investment advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for entertainment and education only. I, I gotta tell you, I really hope you enjoyed it, and I know Danielle does too, so until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.